Welcome to the Crowd Church Podcast. We are an online church and you are listening to the service that we also live stream on YouTube and Facebook. For more information about Crowd Church, please visit our website at www.crowd.church. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Crowd Church. My name is Matt Edmondson and it is great that you are here with us. Uh, and I am here with, well, just the beautiful, gorgeous and just fabulous Mim. Mim, how are we doing? Oh, now, why can't I hear you, Mim? Oh, that's a good question. We can't hear you for some reason. I don't know why that is. I'm gonna come and fix it when we do the talk. That's what's gonna happen. I think the microphone must have switched itself off for some reason. Okay, so, uh, Mim, you can, <laughs> you can, you can join in uh, using, you know, your hands and stuff like that. I don't know. Is it there? <laughs> Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So, before I go and fix the sound issues that we have with Mim's microphone, uh, Mim, what's coming up today? <laughs> See if you can mime it. I just <laughs> we have uh, <laughs> we have a talk. Yeah, yeah, we have got a talk. Uh, uh, the three syllables. You just have to do that whole three. <laughs> so we've got a talk coming up by Sharon, and Sharon is going to be doing a talk on anger. What does the Bible say about anger? Then hopefully Mim and I will be back for Conversation Street. Well, you will actually be able to hear Mim uh, chat away. So great to be with you. Great here. Uh, yeah, hard lines. Hard, I'm just looking through the comments. Um, hard uh, look to Liverpool. Yes. Uh, thank you for those that are joining us and not watching the game. Uh, Vicky says, she says hi. Trey says hi. Uh, Matt's in the comments. John Farrington is in the comments with crowd. So uh, please do join in, do say hi, ask your questions and comments as we go through. Uh, as I said, we're gonna have a talk by Sharon. The talk is, what does the Bible say about anger? If you have just joined us, Mim is not saying anything because the microphone's not working. Uh, that's the that's the problem that we have. So we're gonna fix that while the talk's on, don't panic. Uh, but whilst the talk is happening, if you've got any questions, thoughts or comments, do write them as we go along. We're gonna be talking about anger. We are about a year into a whole series called What Does the Bible Say About? And we deep dive into the Bible on a specific topic. And today is anger. What does the Bible say about anger? The talk is done by the just, my favorite person on the whole planet, my wife, Sharon, she is doing this talk. Uh, Mim and I will be back uh, in just a little while. Yeah, we just, that's right, we just, that's the, let's do that. Uh, Mim and I will be back in a little while for Conversation Street. Uh, grab your notebooks, grab your pens, because you're gonna want them for this. It is gonna be fantastic. No pressure, babe, but here we go. Here is, uh, what does the Bible say about anger? Bible say about anger? What did you think when you heard what today's talk is about? When some people think about the Bible and anger, they think of the God in the older part of the, the Bible who seems angry all the time and the God in the newer part seems loving as if they're two different people. If that's something you've wondered about, I've done a talk for Crowd before on this subject that you can listen to on the website. It has the really catchy title of is the loving God of the New Testament the same as the angry God of the Old Testament? As a child growing up in church, I heard verses such as the following one, 
and thought it was wrong to be angry at all. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. It was a really unhealthy belief because when I got angry, which was often, I felt bad about it and tried to suppress it and that turned into depression. I was angry at other people, at myself and at God. Maybe you're like me in that your natural tendency is to suppress anger and pretend that it isn't there. Or maybe you're the complete opposite of that and tend to be more explosive and to lash out. One of our kids used to communicate their feelings with their fists when they were little. Or do you fall somewhere in the middle? When I was in my 20s, I went for Christian counselling. I found out some of what the Bible actually says about anger and it started to set me free. Today I'm going to look at God's anger, our anger and other people's anger and some suggestions on how to respond to each of these. So what is anger? The Cambridge Dictionary defines it like this. Anger is a strong feeling that makes you want to hurt someone or be unpleasant because of something unfair or unkind that's happened. The Bible has many verses that talk about God being angry, but what makes him angry? Let's look at his anger in the context of the story of the Bible as a whole. The Bible tells us that God made the universe, our earth, all the animals and plants, but that as humans we're a special creation because we're made in the image of God himself. God gave people a special role and a special place in the world. We're made to rule the earth and take care of it on his behalf, men and women together. How do you think we're doing so far with ruling the earth and looking after it? Not so well, maybe. God had this to say about what he created. God saw all that he'd made and it was very good. Have you ever done something created, creative and been really pleased with what you've made? Now, our downstairs loot was awful for years. We'd had problems with major leaks, so there was no ceiling, the wallpaper was hanging off, there was mould, the toilet was broken. No one liked going in there. But recently we did it up. We hid the pipes, tiled the walls, we had a new ceiling, we replastered and we painted. For a small room, it had a seriously huge amount of work done in it. I often go in there now for no other reason than to stand back and admire the work. How much more must God have done that with the world he created? But his world didn't stay a nice shiny world. As people, we rebelled against him and we did things our own way and made a big mess in the process. You just have to listen to the news to see that. The Bible tells us that the whole of creation is affected by our rebellion. So we see both signs of great design and purpose in the world, but also of death and decay. And do you know what? If someone came into my house and smashed up my down, lovely downstairs loo, I would be so angry. How much more does God have the right to be angry when we mistreat each other and the world he's given us? Here are some of the things that make God angry according to the Bible. When we take advantage of the widow, widow or the fatherless. When we don't listen to him. Disobedience, being stiff-necked, causing others to do wrong. When we do wicked things when people sacrifice their sons and daughter in fire, and when people are exploited. There are many other examples of things that make God angry, but if I could summarise them, it seems to be that God is angry when the people he loves, that's all of us, are mistreated or mistreating others and not living up to their purpose. Love and anger are like two sides of the same coin. Anger results when what is loved is threatened, but here are some other things that the Bible says about God's anger. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favour lasts a lifetime. Yet he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a passing breeze that does not return. So God is slow to anger, his anger is short, and he restrains his anger. God is perfectly just and righteous in his anger. God loves us so much, but he doesn't just brush off our evil and rebellion as if it doesn't matter, because it does matter, just as I wouldn't brush off the issue if someone destroyed my downstairs loo, just saying. That would definitely not be okay. God doesn't say that the things that hurt us don't matter. He says they matter very much. When we're morally wrong, we deserve punishment. 
But instead of punishing us, he came to earth as a human, Jesus, and took our punishment on himself by dying on the cross. He poured out his anger towards us on himself so that we wouldn't have to take it. He swaps places with us. He takes our filth and gives us his spotless righteousness. Listen to this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? So how should we respond to God's anger? I think firstly, we need to recognise that God is always right in his anger and his judgment. We can tend to think that we're the ones who define what's right and wrong, but our life is just a speck in time. Do we really think that we know better than the God who created everything? What's our knowledge compared to his? Secondly, we need to recognise that God has taken his uh, anger for our rebellion on himself. We couldn't handle what we deserved, so he came in human form to live and die and rise again so that our relationship with him is restored. And thirdly, we have a choice. Forgiveness and a restored relationship with God are his gift to us, but he doesn't force it on us. We have to choose if we accept this gift or not. Accepting his forgiveness doesn't mean we go on living our own way because when we love someone, we don't want to hurt them. And when we love God, we don't want to hurt him by trampling on uh, the things and people that he cares for. John 3 says, whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life for God's wrath remains on, on them. But what about us? We're not God, we're just human. Is it wrong for us to be angry? The answer to that is yes. And no, have a look at these two verses. Matthew 5 says, You've heard that it was said um, to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And Ephesians 4, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So the first verse seems to be saying it's not okay to be angry, but the second one says it's possible to be angry without sinning, without being in the wrong. Whatever our reason for anger, these verses show that we're meant to deal with it quickly and not let it fester for days and turn into hate. Sometimes we're right to be angry and sometimes we're not. Now, Tim Keller has done this fantastic talk called, um, it's about anger and it's called The Healing of Anger, and you can watch it on YouTube. In that talk, he says, but because anger is part of love, our anger gets disordered because our love is disordered. We're created to put God first and then love for other people. We're created to get our identity and significance from him. But often we get things the other way around and put things before him and we put our identity and significance in the wrong things. And because we've misplaced our love, we get angry at the wrong things. And we can be a bit contrary at times, can't we? We get angry when we see evil and injustice in the world and we're angry with God for not doing anything about it. But we can also be angry with God when we um, see passages in the Bible where God, having been incredibly patient, will no longer put up with excessive evil anymore and orders the destruction of those doing the evil. Now, I've had times where my anger is uh, a righteous anger and times when my anger is all wrong, and I expect you probably all have as well. So let me give you some examples. So I teach English to women from around the world whose first language isn't uh, English. And when I listen to the stories of some of my students, some of whom have been trafficked or fled war situations, I get angry for the way they've been treated and the things they've been through. This would be a righteous anger. It's the sort of thing that God gets angry about. On the other hand, I remember a time when I was at uni, and I'm sure there've been loads of times since this, but this one sticks out in my mind. And I remember that I was um, invited to a social gathering of some sort. And at that point, I didn't have, uh, um, I wasn't very confident at all. And it took me a lot of courage to decide to go to this event. And part of that courage was I thought my friend would go with me, but she didn't want to go. So I'd have to go on my own. And I was so angry with her, but she hadn't actually done anything wrong. It was my insecurity that made me angry. So how can we deal with our anger? Firstly, we need to admit that we're angry, which is the part that I used to have trouble doing. Um, we all get angry. It's part of being human. 
And in the book of Psalms, which is a book of poetry in the Bible, there are verses where the author pours out all of their emotions to God, including requests to God to destroy their enemies. God can handle our emotions. We can ask God to show us if our anger is godly or not. If it's not, we can admit to him that we've got it wrong and ask for his forgiveness. And we can ask him to show us what is the root of our anger and to change us and help change us from the inside. Are we angry that someone more suited to the job got the promotion we wanted because our security is in our job title? I found that the more I've walked with God and learned how he sees me in the world, the more I've accepted his love and the more I've accepted his love for me, the less angry I've got at the wrong things. Another thing that has helped me loads is forgiveness. And uh, we've done a couple of talks about this in the past, which you can watch on our website. When I didn't admit that I was angry with people, I couldn't deal with the hurt, so it all got stuffed down. And the result of this, I said before, was depression. But the other result was that any time someone did even the slightest little thing to hurt me, I would overreact to it internally. To give you an analogy, in our kitchen, we've got a cupboard which is known as the cupboard of doom. It houses all our plastic pots and our drinking bottles and stuff like that. And it tends to be um, often really full and not packed very well. So that when you open the door to put something relatively small in, other things just jump out at you. And it's like that with forgiveness. If we don't forgive, it's like we're collecting rubbish in our soul or plastic pots. And then we've got when we've got something relatively minor that happens, we open the door to stuff that in as well. Um, but all the like the past hurts jump out on us and we have an extreme reaction to something relatively small. Forgiveness means or meant that what other people had done no longer had a hold over me and no longer had that extreme reaction to the small stuff. When I first started um, to actually deal with all this, it took me literally weeks to forgive someone for really small stuff. But as I had more practice, I got a lot of quicker. Of course, some things are much easier to forgive than others. Sometimes we really need so much help from the Holy Spirit and from other people. The Holy Spirit doesn't just leave us to try and sort out all this stuff on our own. He's gentle and so humble and willing to help us. But maybe you're someone who really struggles with anger, but you have no idea why. It could be that you have loads of stuff buried deep inside you from childhood that you didn't know how to process at the time. Don't feel that you have to struggle on your own with it. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you process all that you've been through. And maybe there's someone at your local church who's skilled at helping with these things, or you could contact a counsellor. Now, these um, next verses are a good reminder for me. Uh, they're from James, and they say, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Just as God is slow to anger, we too are called to be slow to anger. Sometimes my first reaction when something happens can be to feel angry. Maybe uh, someone hasn't done what they said they'd do, and I'm annoyed, and verging on that uh, anger. I'm still learning. Uh, to take that step back and um, and I feel like to remember patience. Uh, maybe something's happened that uh, that meant that they weren't able to do what they said they'd do. Maybe I've misunderstood. Maybe I've forgotten that we've changed plans, all of which are possible. Raymond says, do not take revenge, my dear friend, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to repay, says the Lord. When we feel angry, we're not to take revenge. We can leave the person to God knowing that he will take care of them. When I went to counselling, this next verse was really helpful to me. It's from Ephesians and says, If you're in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. It basically says it's possible to feel angry and not sin. One of the great things about being human is that we can choose how, we, how to respond to situations. Just because we feel angry doesn't mean that we have to act on it in a negative way. Even if we have good reason for our anger, it doesn't give us reason to do the wrong things. We can choose to forgive, to be patient, um, to take a step back, to pray and ask God for his wisdom, to get out of an abusive situation or to help bring justice to situations. We have choices. With God's help, we're not just at the mercy of our emotions. 
Proverbs 14 says, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who's quick tempered displays folly. So let's look at other people's anger. Just as our anger can either be for good reasons or can be unjustified, so can the anger other people um, have. Have a look at these verses. Matthew 5 says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. These verses show us that if someone else is angry with us, we have a responsibility to do what we can to sort out the situation where appropriate. Of course, reconciliation isn't always possible. If someone else is behaving wrongly, uh, there are also verses that talk about confronting that person, um, taking another person as backup if needed. And I've said before, God doesn't say that wrong doesn't matter and that we should brush it under the carpet. The complete opposite of true. If someone gets angry often and easily, maybe we need to take a step back from the relationship. Have a look at these verses. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Or an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Here are some more great verses that help us deal with other people when they're angry. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Um, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Many years ago, I was really angry with Matt about something. I know you're shocked about that. How could anyone be angry with him? I can't remember what it was, but I was rehearsing all the mean things I wanted to say to him in my head. When I confronted him about the situation, ready to have a go at him, his response was to apologise. Well, that totally took the wind out of my sails. The things I'd planned to say no longer seemed relevant. It's the same for us. When we're dealing with other people's anger, maybe we... Um, don't have anything to apologise for, but still a gentle answer can have a powerful effect. And maybe you've got your own examples of where this has worked for you. So that we've seen when dealing with other people, God wants us to be patient and forgiving. We're not to seek revenge. That can be hard enough in itself, but the Bible takes all this to a whole other level. Listen to these verses. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here God's saying, not just to hold back from revenge, but to actually love our enemies, to repay evil with good. That's a bit shocking. Why does he say that? Because that's what he's like and that's how his kingdom works. How is it possible for us to love our enemies? How is it possible to go from, going from being angry that we've been mistreated to loving the people who've mistreated us? I think we can only do that with God's help and by recognising that when we're God's enemy, he still loved us. When we receive his love and forgiveness for ourselves, we can then give it out to other people. It's not about trying hard to be good. It's about passing on what we've received ourselves. I'll leave you with these verses from 1 John because they sum it up really well. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Well, thanks so much, Sharon, for that amazing talk. Really insightful. Please, if you've got any comments or questions about the talk, just continue to pop them in the chat. We are going to go into time now of worship and reflection. 
uh, with the song, How Deep is the Father's Love for Us? And that just basically talks about how amazing God's love is for us and just the depths of his love. Um, But just before that, we're going to pray the Ukrainian prayer together. Uh, The words will be on the screen. So if you want to join in, please do so at home. If you want to just quietly sit and reflect or pray along your own prayer, that is also fine. And we will see you after that for Conversation Street. Father God, King of all nations, we cry out to you now for the people of Ukraine. We ask you to rescue those who are vulnerable from the hands of their enemies, that they may live life without fear before you all of their days. Lord, have mercy. Lord of Lords and Prince of Peace, our politicians are predicting the biggest war in Europe since 1945. And we simply cry out to you urgently to write another story in our time. Thwart the dark machinations of evil men. Give wisdom beyond human wisdom to peacemakers seeking an equitable and less violent way. May politicians exercise the wisdom from above, which is peaceable, gentle, willing to yield and full of mercy. Lord, have mercy. Holy Spirit, we pray for the church in Ukraine, a nation in which 70% of the population call themselves Christian. Give our many brothers and sisters in that nation courage in this crisis, that they may proclaim the good news of your kingdom, bind up broken hearts, and bring comfort to all who mourn. Lord, have mercy. You, Lord, make war cease to the end of the earth. You break bows, shatter spears, and burn shields with fire. And so we ask you now to save the lives of many people in Ukraine. Make a peace that is strong and not weak. De-escalate this crisis. We hear of wars and rumors of wars, but you, Lord, are our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. Our hope is in you. And so we address the nations now. In the name of Jesus, we say, Be still and know God. He is exalted among the nations. He shall be exalted in the earth. Lord, have mercy. How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son To make a wretch His treasure How great the pain of sin It is fair. 
How deep the fathers love. Love that song. Love it. Old school hymns like that. Just, don't know, Mim. I, you see, for those of you who don't know Mim, and Mim was a little bit silent during the introduction. Um, <laughs> uh, it wasn't her fault, it was totally mine. Um, for those of you who don't know Mim, Mim, you're involved quite a bit with worship at Frontline, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You and your delectable husband uh, are worship, worship leaders at Frontline Church. Um, and there's just something, I don't, I, I don't know if it's just me or whether you're like this as well, but there's just something about those old school hymns, which are just, I don't know, they're just great, aren't they? With just the words yeah. and the lyrics and the way they're written and the way they express themselves. Fantastic. Fantastic. So let's talk about anger, shall we? Let's do, we do it. The challenge for me is to see if I can actually get Mim to be angry during the lives. No, 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 it's not, obviously. Because uh, um, <laughs> Mim, uh, when she arrived to do the crowd and we were talking at the start, Mim's like, I just don't do anger. I'm not an angry person. Um, no, I didn't say that, Matt. Oh, did, did I just misunderstand? No, I just said I related a lot with Sharon because... Um, you know, anger was a negative thing and, a, you know, you shouldn't be angry. So right. don't be angry. So I was a bit like Sharon just stuffed it all down, but I actually was angry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Was, I think we all are, aren't we? I, well, I think it's part of being human, really. Um, but, yeah, so let's talk about anger then. So you were you, were you like that? Uh, anger is a negative thing just because that's the way it was thought of in your house and therefore you shouldn't be uh, angry. Was that the way you were brought up? Yeah, I think it was, you know, taken from those verses in the Bible of, you know, do not, you know, have a hot temper. And, you know, so anger that the Bible is saying is wrong, is mm. explosive and harmful and doesn't have a good outcome. So that's the kind of anger. But I think, you know, you either are at that extreme where you mm. end up kind of in fights or shouting at people or we British people stuff it all down and we're not angry <laughs> at all. And I think, you know, it's hard to do anger well. I think mm. that's the challenge. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? There's this whole thing is called anger management, how to manage your anger. Um, uh, the, it's funny because... I. I didn't grow up uh, in a Christian family, right? So I didn't grow up with the Bible verses that it's a sin to be angry and the misunderstanding that comes with those. And I thought Sharon actually did a good job of addressing that. We will get to that point. But when I was a kid growing up, uh, I um, I was quite a timid kid. Uh, but my mum knew that if I got angry, I just, I was like the Incredible Hulk. I mean, I didn't turn green and burst out my trousers, but I, I, it's like I changed personality. Do you know what I mean? And everything just, I just saw mist. And, and so I used to do um, judo when I was a kid, right? 
and uh, we had to go to these as part of it, you know, but, and, and the reason mum shipped me off to judo because I got bullied and she just got bored of me getting coming home, you know, saying oh. I didn't have any dinner or anything that, that day. And she's like, you do, you, we need to get you to do something about this. This is my mum, very stoic. There's a problem. Let's fix it. So ships me off to judo. And I go to do these judo lessons and um, uh, we have these competitions and I'm just like, yeah, fight, we'll fight. I'm just going to lie on the floor. You can win. So my mum, this is a story she tells me because I don't really remember it, but my mum would actually take me off to the side of the ring before my fights and get me angry. She knew what to say and how to make me angry. Because if she, she knew if I was angry, I would just go out there and I was just this different kid and I would win all of the fights. And so all the medals I've got from uh, all the judo medals that I have somewhere uh, are basically as a result because my mum made me angry. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, welcome to Matt's childhood. Uh, There's a lot to unpick right there, isn't there? A lot to unpick. So did you, because obviously I didn't grow up with this, it's a sin to be angry thing. But I, I think when you read verses like, do, do not be angry, you can see why I suppose people have that kind of thinking. And why why do you think that's dangerous thinking? Oh, because like Sharon said, I think if you don't, I think actually anger, at the root of anger is always something that does actually need addressing. And if you don't address it, it just stays there and festers and it actually can just get worse inside of you. So Mm. um, anger is a, I'm going to get all like psychological on you now. You go for it. Anger is a secondary emotion. So anger is always, is never just purely anger on its own. It is as a result of a fear or a threat to a basic human need. So Ah. that's where we get hangry when we're hungry. Ah. So our basic human needs we need to eat we need to drink we need to feel loved we need to feel safe and secure and if we don't feel those things we can get angry because of it um so i think you know it's if you ignore anger then you're not addressing something that's you know that you're missing that's missing one of your basic human needs that's really interesting so anger is a secondary emotion in other yeah. words it's a warning sign that something else is afoot yeah. Yeah, um, that's interesting because Dave Connolly, I can't remember if I was talking about this the other day with maybe John Harding. Dave Connolly, who was one of the founding pastors of Frontline, he's a very good friend of mine. He's just such an all round awesome dude. He's been on crowd quite a bit. Um, he said to me years ago, Matt, the issue is never the issue, but it is a good place to start. And I think it's such a, such sage advice. Right. And I in my head, I'm thinking he's talking to me about, you know, if your wife's annoyed with you. Uh, kind of you know marriage advice but I think it's just generally good advice uh, that actually the issue is never the issue but it's a good place to start so what you're saying is if you're feeling angry which is the issue then start there and understand why you're angry which is the real issue uh, and and work on that okay okay I like that that anger Mm -hmm. is a secondary emotion but what do you think about this idea then again Sharon touched on it and um, I thought she actually did it really well this whole idea of god's anger god getting angry yeah yeah i think god has like she was saying he has a right to be angry sometimes doesn't he and that is a it's never a wrong kind of anger so i think she was right if you know we are damaging each other or what he has made then of course mm. he's getting angry because he loves us too much not to be um And I don't think God then just, you know, annihilates us all because of that. You know, he's gracious, isn't he? He gives us lots of chances. He reminds us of things. He sends people our way to kind of help us with the things that, you know, he wants us to um, work on. Mm. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's a funny thing, isn't it, to imagine Mm. an all-loving God to be angry. It just, it's like she was saying the two sides of a coin. It's hard to imagine the two together yeah it is it's funny isn't it because again she touched on in the talk that one of the things that really uh winds people up is they see a lot of suffering and injustice in the world and they're like well why does god not doing anything in other words why is god angry not angry about this right and dealing with it 
Yet on the other hand, when they read stories about God's anger, they're like, well, that's a bit wrong, isn't it, that he got angry about it? And so I I, I thought that was quite an interesting juxtaposition that she'd brought up because um, I'd, I'd not really thought about it in those terms before. I'm like, yeah, you're right, actually. We're, on one hand, we want God to be angry, but on the other hand, we don't want God to be angry. Uh, yeah. And so it's kind of a catch-22 situation, isn't it? Um, we, yeah, we do the same as well, though, don't we? We get really angry about something, but then we don't do anything about it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we all know people like that that get really riled up and you think, well, what, what are you actually doing about that? Mm. So how do you, um, well, before I get into that, let me finish this whole God thing off a little bit. Okay. Do you think, it's a bit of a leading question, uh, do you think then that um, as church, as Christians, we talk a lot about the love of God? Right. We do. We talk about a lot of, you know, uh, God's love, God's love for us. And, and quite rightly so, uh, because it's it's the gospel. It's the good news. It's the story of why Jesus came for God. So loved the world that he, you know, sent Jesus. But we don't often talk about God's wrath or wrath or anger. Um, and I, I wonder why that is. I think it's a New Testament thing, isn't it? So mm. like Sharon was saying, now, you know, when Jesus came and, and took all of that upon himself, we kind of, we don't need to worry about that anymore in a sense. We, we shouldn't take it for granted. But God is not going to come and beat us down with a big stick if we do something wrong because of mm. Jesus and what he did for us. So I think the pressure's off in that sense. Mm. That's a good point. Although I think um, I've made jokes in the past, right, where people have said something and I've just kind of mockingly sort of stepped away from them and said, I don't want to be near you when the lightning strikes. Right. You know, that, you know, that kind of mocking, uh, like you're going to get zapped for saying that type of thing, uh, which is a bit like, uh, actually, God's going to zap you for that. And it's kind of like, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> Maybe my theology is a little bit messy. Faulty, faulty theology there, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I need to deal with that. The issue is not the issue. I'm, anyway, <laughs> we should get into that. So, um, so you, uh, you've got angry, I've got angry. Right. And Sharon talked about how to deal with anger a little bit in the talk, which I thought was great. And she. um, She meant she talked about, can we be angry? And yes, we can. And there's righteous anger and there's unrighteous anger. In other words, there's anger, which is which makes sense, like when we see injustices. And she talked about people getting trafficked Um, there. But she talked about how to deal with anger. And the first step is admitting that you're angry, which I thought was an interesting statement because for me I think this is probably the hardest thing to do I don't know if you found that yeah I think anger is such a big emotion isn't it it's one of the big ones so you feel it really strongly um and I think you can go to zero to 100 in seconds with anger yeah and and I think that's that's where the bible um talks about you know quick tempered and you know Mm. be slow slow to what should I write down quick to listen slow to speak yeah very often when you get angry you just see red and that's Mm. it gone like you were saying saw mist (laughs) um, with your fights and things so yeah I think um the first step is just stopping yourself and we kind of um one of our psychologists at work taught us an acronym called Mm. stop um, so the S is for literally stop. So if you feel yourself getting angry, stop before it gets to that red zone. Um, T is just take a step back and take a deep breath. And when we take a deep breath, that stimulates our parasympathetic nervous system and it calms us down. Yep. Yeah. So it's the, it's the part of our nervous system that stops you from reacting so strongly. So when mm. you feel threatened, you want to go, fight or run away that fight or flight so it stops that and calms it down allows you to think a bit more clearly um always observe so what are you what are you thinking what has made you so angry what's underneath it what's the threat what need have you got or how have you felt attacked um and then p is proceed so once you thought about it a bit more and thought oh that's the reason why now do what you need to do about it so in a bit more of a thought through way yeah, a bit more of a mindful way. Yeah. That's really exactly. interesting. Yeah. So that was a psychologist teaching that at yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. 
like it yeah. like it i would never have thought of that but that's cool i think yeah. it's interesting isn't it that this whole idea of the simplicity of stopping and breathing yeah um can change a lot of simple things you know this whole and it and i find that this is true because um I find it fascinating, should I say, because of the story of how God formed man. So he forms him from the dust of the earth and then he breathes life into his nostrils. And it's this whole breath of life thing. And there's a really interesting story in the Gospels where Jesus breathes on the disciples. It's like a symbol of the Holy Spirit has come. Uh, and there's just something quite divine in the way that God has made us, where we just stop and breathe in, like we're breathing in God somehow, and we see things from a slightly different perspective. And it's a really simple thing to do, but it has actually profound effects. Uh, just stop. Ah, do you know what I mean? And I, I, I need to be taught that lesson on quite a regular basis, though, Mim. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if you're like me, uh, or whether... Or, or not. No, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of doom. It all comes out later. <laughs> so how do I mean that's how the psychologist says to deal with anger, but how do you deal with it? Like in the context of marriage or with the kids, for example? Uh so with my little boy, he gets angry really quickly. Um and very often I get caught up in the what he's actually screaming about. And then mm. I have to take a step back myself and go, actually. He's probably not angry about that. It's something mm. else. So, And he just needs a cuddle. Mm. He just needs some physical touch. And then he'll cry and tell me what's actually wrong. Mm. So it's, you know, if we if I start to go into it with him, like, oh, what is it? What are you angry about? Stop shouting. And it just fuels it bigger mm. and bigger and bigger. But if I give him a hug, it just kind of diffuses it. Yeah. So that's how I deal with it with my kids. Um. Myself, I have to not let it fester and build up inside. So I have to take some time. I can't just say something straight away because it mm. will come out wrong. I need to take that step back and think mm. about it and go, right, what, has it, what was it that I was actually angry about? What made me angry? Why is that? Why am I so angry? Oh, maybe pray about it. God, show me why. <laughs> you know, is this important? Do I need to bring this up? Or... Mm. Can it be left? Do I just need grace for the situation? Um, so, yeah, I need to kind of ponder a little bit and then bring it up. If I still feel that I need to talk about it, then mm. bring it up at a later time. Yeah. And do you find that easy? Because one of the things that that implies, right, and this is where I wonder whether a bunch of people struggle with this, um, is if you're processing stuff and you you need to talk about it with somebody else, somebody else may have been involved in that conversation. Uh, so I'm going to pick on your husband. I'm sure he has never made you angry, but I'm just going to pick on Andy because I can. Um, do you find, right, that once you have processed it, there's, there then becomes an elephant, an elephant, an element uh, of confrontation where you have to go and talk to that person. And that's actually... If it's your kids, if it's your partner, it's a little bit easier. If it's somebody outside of that inner circle, it actually becomes a little bit trickier, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And so, do you? How do you? How do you find that that whole confrontation side of things? Awful! I hate confrontation. I hate conflict. I'm a don't rock the boat peacekeeper. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. My heart goes mad. I'm sweating. It's horrible. It's just disgusting. Yeah. Um, but I am learning to do it more and mm. more. It's taken me a long time. Mm. Um, I think I think it's really important to state your heartfelt intention with it. If you're going to have a difficult conversation with anybody, they need to know why you're doing it. Mm. It's not just because you want to have a go at them or pull them up on, on something or tell them off. It's because you've got an underlying value or a goal or something mm. that's going to be worthwhile that's going to come out of it and I think that can make a difference mm. but obviously you can't you can't account for how the other person's going to react and you're not really responsible for how the other person reacts really you can't mm. you can't control that so but I think if you do it in the right way then you've done the best you can yeah 
No, mm. very good. Because there are, t- I mean, let's be real, there are times where you're actually going to have to do the confrontation thing to deal with the anger uh, and to process it. It's just, you can't get away with it. Um, and, you know, you, you read in the Gospels, there's a story, isn't there, of Jesus well, he goes into the temple. He is like, <laughs> he's like, he's not happy uh, that, you know, they've, they in effect have turned what is the house of God, you know, a place of worship and community into uh, a, a den of thieves, he called it, you know, where they were robbing money off people, basically poor people and ripping them off. Um, and he just goes in and he's angry and he instantly, bam, turns the tables over and all that. And he drives the money changers out of the, uh, out of the church, doesn't he? And, um, and yet, well, a few verses later, you see him, uh, and kids are coming to him and sitting on his on his knee, just chatting away. And I think there has, there, I think there are some things, uh, certainly the the righteous things that we have to confront. You know, like the trafficking of people, the injustice of things like that, that we have to confront uh, and we have to get involved with. Um, and and I like what what Sharon said about how um, God gets angry when his people are being mistreated uh, or which I think is a really interesting thing, isn't it? If you think about another example here, right? The apostle Paul. So Paul is a chap that writes most of the new Testament and his story is quite fascinating because he is in the early days, he is very anti-Christian. Uh, there are a few deaths in the New Testament, which Paul has a, a hand in. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Um, and so he's not a very pleasant chap. And the Christians are actually scared of him. Uh, I'm very fearful of this guy. Um, and on the road to Damascus, Jesus appears to, to, to well, he was Saul then. And Jesus appears to this guy and he goes, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Not why are you persecuting the church? Not why are you being a plonker over here not even Saul you might want to go you know give your life to me it's just like no no I'm stopping some persecution right now I'm ha- I'm having a conversation and Jesus himself appears to a chap on the road <laughs> to talk to him about why he's persecuting the church so badly uh, because I think Jesus felt the need to sort of get involved with that sort of that that anger at, at, at being mistreated now it just so happens Paul, in the middle of that, has sense enough to go, maybe there's more to this Christian message than I first thought. I should find out a little bit about it. Uh, and starts to call Jesus Lord, which I think is an interesting turnaround. But for me, there's there are these stories, aren't there, where there's this sort of righteous indignation and something has to happen. You can't just sit back and do nothing. And do you like the way that Jesus actually addressed the underlying issue as well? Why are you persecuting me? He didn't mm. say... Why are you being so angry and killing lots of people? It was because that's what he was actually doing. But actually, mm. it, he was addressing his anger towards God. And, mm. Yeah. Really interesting, isn't it? That's the heart of it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Really interesting. And that's what God does with us when we go to him with our anger issues is he'll point them out. Right. Um, and sometimes to sometimes that means you have to do something uh, and you have to get involved and you have to act especially when other people are being mistreated. Uh, God is not okay with that. Um, it's a really interesting one. I don't know. I feel like we could talk about this all night because I'm just starting to get going. I just find the whole topic quite fascinating uh, because like you, I don't, I don't know. I don't normally struggle with anger, anger personally. I think I have my angry moments and I do go from zero to a hundred miles an hour quicker than a quick thing on unbelievably. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, but if I think at the things that make me angry in a in a good way, it tends to be injustice uh, or, you know, somebody somewhere is being mistreated. And it's not me. It's somebody else being mistreated. Do you know what I mean? And you can see that and you can understand that. Yeah. And that's and that's wrong. So, Mim. Yes. Uh, oh, Nicholas put here in the comments. Um, what does she write? Anger is like a bindweed. It grows up and plants grows up and plants and slowly takes over and is incredibly hard to get rid of. Very insightful, Nicola. It is. It's like a weed, isn't it? In, a, in other words, and those things are hard to get rid of if you don't deal with it. So um, what would you say to someone who's watching uh, the live stream now who maybe does struggle with anger? Where's a good place to start? Oh, I would just come to God with it first. 
and just say, God, just be honest. This mm. is me. This is what I'm struggling with. Please help me in it. I don't know where to start. You just, I just love being really, really honest with God. He loves it. He loves it mm. when we're honest. Um, and, you know, then just seek out, seek out some help. Um, you know, you can carry on praying about it, but I have had quite a lot of counseling in my life. I know lots of people who've had counseling can be really, really helpful. Um, so yeah, maybe talk to a trusted friend or member mm-hmm. of family and then just seek out some help for it. Um, cause it is such a big emotion and it's really difficult to get control of if you don't feel like you're in control of it. So mm-hmm. don't, like Sharon said, don't suffer on your own. Don't feel like it's got a hold of you forever. Just get some help. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because the fallout's not just on you, is it? No. I mean, there's, there's people around you that it affects, and 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 so Absolutely. it's good to deal with it. Um, top advice there from Mim. Thank you so much for joining me, Mim. Uh, good to have got your microphone working. Uh, good to deal uh, with this whole topic. Um, if you are uh, wanting to get in touch with, if you'd like to know more, um, I'm going to put the thing on the screen. There you go. You can get hold of us at Crowd Church. Uh, on all the social media, um, Instagram, Facebook, or you can get a hold of us on the website, www.crowd.church. We would love to talk to you uh, or pray for you if there's anything you'd like us to pray about um, or you want to talk to us about, uh, especially around this whole area of anger, uh, because it is such a big thing, uh, such a big deal to get it right before God and uh, and just be just be right in it. Um, next week, Mim, do you know what's coming up? I know the answer, but I thought I'd ask you. <laughs> no, I don't, actually. <laughs> Uh, that, that's just me setting you up. Uh, so <laughs> that time it was pointing, and this time it's not coming back. Yeah. We're not doing the pointing thing this time. Uh, so no, I just realised I didn't tell you what's coming up next week. So that's on me. Um, next week, James Sloan is talking about what does the Bible say about living a life on purpose, and uh, we've got Dan Orange hosting next week for that topic. Uh, there you go. Matt Masters written in the comments. Thanks for tonight, everyone. What's happening next week? I've just told you, Matt. We've just told you what's happening next week. Uh, maybe we should just go to Matt. Matt, what's happening next week? Write it in the comments. Uh, so what's the Bible say about living a life on purpose with James Sloan? Uh, the week after that, just so you know, we've got what does the Bible say about God? Oh, yes. Uh, with Dan Rogers. That's going to be immense. John Harding is hosting that one. And then the week after that. What does the Bible say about suffering? John Hoyling's actually doing that talk. You know it's going to be good. So we're getting into some meaty topics uh, over the next few weeks, that's for sure. So make sure you like and subscribe to all the stuff we're doing here at Crowd. So you get in, and click the notification button. So when we go live, it will come up on your phone or on your tablet or on your computer, whatever, wherever you watch it, however you watch it, whether you watch it live or on catch up, it's been great that you've been with us. Mim, any closing thoughts, comments before we head out? No, I think, you know, we've talked about loads of stuff, haven't we? There's just loads to say on anger. But yeah, I hope everyone has a great week and control your anger. Stop before you do anything. Stop. Stop. I feel like we need to come up with a song. Just say stop. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, you're an absolute legend. It's been great having you uh, on the, the live stream, Mim, as always, uh, as always. Um, so that's going to be it from us. We are going to play one more worship song. Once that song is finished, the live stream will end automatically. Uh, please feel free to stay around in the comments and just chat away. It'd be great to hear from you, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube. Thank you so much uh, for being with us. Uh, and again... In closing, congratulations to Manchester City uh, and Liverpool. You made us proud. So, (laughs) I like that. Uh, But no, uh, have a fantastic week. Like I say, we will see you next week. Mim, God bless you. Have a fantastic week yourself. Bye for now. Creatures of our God and King Lift up your voice and with us sing Oh, praise Him Hallelujah Thou burning sun with golden beams
Spirit three in one 